sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, you ready to talk some NFL? Because I'm ready to talk some NFL. Week one, every game on the board in the NFL. We're going to break it down with Steve Fezzik at Fezzik Sports uh, on Twitter. Steve, a two-time Super Contest champion, the only two-time Super Contest champion here in Las Vegas, the most famous uh, football betting contest out there. And Fezzik won it not once, but twice, back-to-back winners. This guy, you'll see, as soon as I start talking to him, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He knows he's forgotten more about betting on sports than most of us know to begin with. So we're going to go through each and every game on the week one card and talk about how we can make money with it, the bets to make right now, what the markets are likely to do. I love talking NFL. On Memorial Day weekend, I really do, and I'm so excited to have Fezzik his first time on this show. But before we get into Fez and NFL, I do want to talk a little bit about NBA and some of the narratives that we're hearing. Because the narratives crack me up, all right? (laughs) They really do. LeBron's legacy is tarnished because the Lakers got swept. Yes, the Lakers got swept. They got swept by the number one seed. Lakers were the number seven seed. Okay. <laughs> LeBron in his 20th year in the league. He was still arguably the best player on the floor in that series. I mean, Joker was the best player on the floor in that series, but LeBron was probably number two. Elite. All right. When you're 20th year in the league and you're the best player on your team for a series, that's no joke. And let's be honest. The Lakers had no business being there. No business being in the Western Conference Finals. This team started 2-10. and 10. And they started 2-10 and 10 with a basically a completely rebuilt roster from last year. And then at the trading deadline, they rebuilt the roster again completely. Rotations changed. The defensive assignments changed. They dealt with injuries all year. So there's no chemistry for the Lakers. There's no season's worth of playing together like Denver had. Not close. And they were dealing with injuries and age. And yet the number seven seed, what'd they do? They beat the number two seed, Memphis. Then the number seven seed beat the defending champs in Golden State. There's no shame in what the Lakers did this year. They overachieved. They didn't underachieve, just like so many other LeBron teams that have overachieved. And I keep, you know, the <laughs> I'm going to throw my two cents in with the LeBron versus Jordan scenario. Who's the greatest play ever? The answer is both. But never forget this. Jordan had Scotty the whole way. He had Phil Jackson the whole way. He took two years off in the middle when he was burnt out and tired. He had elite role players the whole whole way, whether it's Dennis Rodman or John Paxson or Horace Grant or Tony Kukoc or Bill Cartwright or on and on down the line. The pieces were there. LeBron went to the finals with Anton Jameson as the second best player on his team. Anderson Varahau was the third best player on that Cavs team that went to the finals in 07. I mean, you know, I don't think his legacy gets stained at all by the loss there. I think it's enhanced, not stained. 
And then you always talk about the league wants narratives. You know, the league wants the Lakers, not the Nuggets. The league wants the Celtics, not the Heat. The league wants the Lakers-Celtics finals. Oh, my God, Scott, Re- Scott Foster's referring game three. The Lakers can't lose now. The fix is in. And, yeah, Jokic had four fouls in that game. He was on the bench. The Lakers still didn't win. You know, you look at uh, game three, Miami-Boston, you know, and there wasn't much the league was going to do in terms of uh, making calls to change that, although that series has certainly changed in a big way from where it looked. But the league doesn't always get what they want. Okay, recognize that. And betters who've used the fixes-in betting strategy, you know, opened up the Western Conference Finals 0-6 straight up, or the uh, Conference Finals, I should say, 0-6 straight up, 0-6 against the spread. And four of those six losses in the money line came as minus 180 if favorites are higher. So, you know. <laughs> and even with Boston, okay, and I'm recording this before the series is over. I don't know if the Celtics are going to come be the first team to ever come back from a four uh, from a 3-0 deficit to win. That being said, whether Boston wins or loses, if they got swept, it doesn't matter. All right? Maybe this wasn't their year. Maybe they weren't as good this year as they were last year. Last year they got to the finals. This year they got to the Eastern Conference finals. Oh, well. All right, Jalen Brown had a bad game or two. You know? Uh, Tatum, who has been able to carry the team, hasn't been perfect. But the vitriol being thrown around, and I guess... That's the era of Twitter. You know, if you don't win today, you're an idiot. (laughs) You're a jerk. The Celtics and the Lakers both had not good seasons, great seasons. Both conference finalists. All right. Whether they win a title or not doesn't matter. Only one team out of 30 is going to win the title. Only two teams out of 30 can get to the finals. Everyone else, disappointing season, I guess, when all is said and done. And that's 28 out of the 30 NBA teams. So, in my mind, the narrative a little bit too aggressive in the anti-Boston slash anti-Lakers court. And if the Heat end up losing this series, (laughs) watch, watch everyone turn on Miami. One overreaction after the next. That's why this show tries to be a little bit different. Steve Fezzik coming up next. We're going to be talking NFL Week 1. You're Jones and I'm Jones and stay tuned. Coverage continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you win a bracelet at the World Series of Poker, Pretty much everywhere you go the rest of your life when you're meeting someone, when you're getting introduced to someone, they go, oh, this guy won a bracelet in the World Series of Poker. He's the bracelet winner. Today's guest, Steve Fezzik, I don't know that he's ever won a bracelet. I know he plays in the World Series of Poker every year, and he's made money doing it, but he makes money doing just about everything that he does. The point is this. Steve Fezzik won the biggest handicapping contest that there is, the Super Contest. Here in Las Vegas, the NFL, multi-million dollar prizes, et cetera, et cetera. And he won it once. And then the next year, he came back. And he'll tell you he got lucky. But he won it again. Back to back. Super contest victories for Steve Fezzik. You want to talk about a way to have, make a reputation in a hurry. 
He's done it. And since those back-to-back wins, Steve has become quite the uh, quite the active uh, contributor to the Las Vegas sports betting scene. Mr. Fezzik, so glad to have you on. Cover it with Teddy Covers today. Thank you for joining me today. How are you? Well, thank you for that outstanding introduction. To answer the question, I play, yeah, like one or two events a year, World Series of Poker. Best finish, 20th place in six-handed. I think it was a $1,500 entry fee. That being said, I expect to see you at the final table of the senior event this year. You and I both over the age of 50, where you get to play in the senior event. And when you get an opportunity to play in the senior event of the World Series of Poker, let's just say it's positive expectation. Even I was able to cash in the senior event, and I'm not nearly the poker player that you are. First time guest here on Cover It With Teddy Covers. I, I like to call it a superhero origin story. You know, anytime I have a first time guest on, I basically ask, who is Steve Fezzik, and why should anyone care about what you have to say about sports betting? So uh, talk to me about who you are and how you've gotten to be one of the most recognized figures in the sports betting world in the modern era. So I would say probably two specific items, one that's very well-known, one that's kind of well-known. Um, I think I'm the first guy that really went after it in terms of advantage parlay cards. So parlay cards get pre-printed, middle of the week, for years and years, back in the late 80s and the 90s, Vegas, everyone in the industry, of the, the sharp industry, said sucker bets, avoid them for losers, for, just for the tourists to fleece them. And I was one of the first ones to like really look at this. And frankly, Teddy, it, it, it did not take long for me to look at this and say, wait a minute, these point spreads are stale. They're printed on Wednesday night these lines move three or four points. You, yeah, your payouts on a three-teamer aren't as good, but you look at the different payouts and, and the advantage of playing a play. I, uh, I went after it really hard in the late 90s, and that's really where I made my bones and made a whole lot of money to start my sports betting career. So you were attacking the weak lines, which is something that you've been known to do, uh, something that sports book directors over the years have uh, given you a fair few warnings about. Uh, I know you're not barred necessarily, but you're limited at many, many books across both here in Nevada and uh, around the country. Um, You're very active on Twitter. I would call you a controversial figure in the sports betting world, and certainly when it comes to you posting stuff like Purdue Moneyline in the NCAA tournament, you take a ton of heat for it, but you put out 50 other Moneyline winners that didn't lose. That one happened to lose. Talk about your Twitter presence and why you're so active and aggressive on Twitter um, in an era that uh, sometimes you can take a lot of heat. Oh, thanks for bringing up that 80000 I lost on Purdue. I'd forgotten about that, Teddy. No problem. <laughs> Outstanding. Hey, <laughs> uh, and just um, the, the second thing I'm known for is that contest I ran better than God 2008, 2009, and won the South Point contest twice, won the Westgate twice, won the Leroy's Money Talks, uh, tied for first in the Leroy's College Football. So uh, good handicapping, but uh, more really, really good fortune. Combined with um, I was the one attacking the stale lines more than a lot of other people. Everyone plays against the same lines, so I was very successful. Moving over to Twitter. Uh, we've become a world of content providers. It's just more important to look good and to be able to formulate a sentence and be entertaining. It's much better to be Charles Barkley, who I actually love, or a good-looking gal or guy than to actually have any competence in order to be uh, talk about sports betting and be considered to be an expert. 
And that's just the way it is. And it's, it's kind of embarrassing, frankly. <laughs> so uh, when you could you pull, I mean, I, I tend to not get into Twitter wars. <laughs> Someone attacks me. I'm like, OK, knock yourself out. You fight back. You get into these Twitter wars. Do you find that that do you feel better doing it? Do you feel like it helps your brand? Or is it just one of those scenarios where I'm, I'm not letting this guy take pot shots at me. I'm going to take pot shots at him. I think I got some Phil Helmuth in me, especially like <laughs> behind the computer where we all see Helmuth just going crazy when people are making, you know, bad plays in poker tournaments. And he's like, you know, and he gets out of, out of the line. He's like, this is donkey stuff. This is supposed to be like the world championship. And we got guys, you know, calling raises with 10-7 off suit. It's just ridiculous, you know. And so I probably shouldn't do as much of it. But what happens is a lot of times I'll use an example. Everyone get mad at me. I'm going to say it. That, you know, this whole, like, money line parlay, bet, you, you, you shouldn't be, like, laying minus 300 on a bet. And, by the way, it's fine to lay minus 300 if it's a good bet. Um, but, but pros or, or, or pretend pros, they don't lay minus 300. They stack them into parlays, and they're like, oh, it's an advantage, you know, um, money line parlay where I'm going to take a minus 300 and a minus 280. Like, they're magically not laying 300 anymore. No, they're, they're actually laying more because now they don't get the best of the number being able to play an even lower money line. And that's probably, like, my number one pet peeve that somehow this has become, like, a sharp thing to do when – I'll come over the top and say, you take 100 graduates from MIT math and you ask them to bet optimally. You know what any of the 100 would recommend playing that way, Teddy? Zero. Zero. I'll take the under zero. Uh, oh, <laughs> you can't get under zero. So, <laughs> uh, fair enough. So I want to ask you, and uh, we're going we're gonna to go through every game for week one of the NFL slate, but before we do that, you had a topic that you suggested to me, and you said, I want to tell people how to have a fun weekend in Vegas, get everything comped, and not lose any money. We got two minutes before the break. Go. Okay. I don't know if I'm going to get you everything comped, but this is um, uh, a shout out to Max Rubin, who wrote the book Comp City. Read that book. Um, blackjack is your best. If, if you want to actually work, learn how to play blackjack, and you can... And you can go ahead and learn to be a slightly profitable player and get a whole bunch of comps. But let's say you don't want to do any work. You just want to have a good time and drink for free all weekend long. Several vehicles that you can do. The easiest, walk up to a craps table. You don't need to know how to play craps. Buy in for $500. Borrow, your, borrow the money from your rich uncle. Just stack the chips in front of you. Say you're evaluating and just keep ordering drinks. You probably can go a good half hour without actually even placing a wager. Every $5 you bet on the pass line, that costs you $0.07. Cents. You're at a 1.4% disadvantage. If you take your odds, that costs you nothing. Now, you will win or lose, but in the long run, it's going to cost you $0.07 cents per $5 bet on the pass line. I don't know about you, Teddy, but when I'm drinking old fashions and they're like going for $20 at the bar, I can outdrink that house advantage really well. <laughs> Are there any other games that you look to play? Because when people ask me what to play when you're looking to just have fun in the casino and gamble all night, I would say pie gal poker is the game. There's so many pushes. It's really slow. There are not many decisions per hour. And you can sit there with a relatively low household percentage and hang out. Uh, 30 seconds. You got anything that uh, – would you agree with that? Or is there any other game that you would look at besides craps? 
I'm going to disagree because if you're drunk, you can misset your hand and then you're going to lose. And the house edge, I, I think it's like close to 3%. And you're right, it's agonizingly slow to play. So that's good. But like craps, you don't even have to play. And craps is really fun to play. So I'll go with craps. You can go to, um, go to a bar, pretend to play video poker, buy in for 100. Don't even play. Play one hand when the bartender walks up and then order your apple martini or make a $100 sports bet and get comp there. Oh, Steve Fezzik, he's got the tricks, and he's got the knowledge. We're going to have much more with Steve coming up. NFL Week 1, every game on the board, side, total. What do we need to bet now? What are we going to wait for? Stay tuned. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The first time I met Steve Fezzik, I remember it. (laughs) He's one of those guys, the first time you meet him, you're going to remember it. It was at the Stardust Race and Sportsbook. I believe it was after or during uh, one of the Stardust Line shows. It was late at night. I know that much. And Steve introduced himself to me and proceeded to tell me what I had done wrong on the show that I'd just been on. And he drew a bell curve. I remember him drawing a bell curve, and I hadn't thought about a bell curve since I was taking stats in Michigan in the like early 90s. I hadn't even thought about it. He's like, no, no, no. This is how point spread results go. Is you look at the bell curve, and that's going to explain your teasers, and da, 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 da. I don't remember everything from the conversation, but I remember the very first time I talked to him. He corrected me and taught me something. And in all the time I've known him, he's done the same things. He corrects me, and he teaches me something. Today... He's going to teach us all something, and that is with NFL Week 1. Let me ask you this, Steve. How many bets have you already made for the NFL Week 1? I know you were sending me screenshots of some of the bets you made, and there was like multiple. I was scrolling through them, and I, I, I ran out of time trying to add them all up. You made a bunch of bets already, haven't you? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe in the 20s, but like a lot of those are duplicates. I bet a bunch of bets on Denver, for instance. So as far as if I make four bets on Denver, does that count as one better or four, Teddy? I'm not sure. Uh, what we'll counter is uh, yeah, exactly. What we'll, we'll counter is four <laughs> because that's how many bets you've made, and you're probably betting them at different numbers or at different shops. So uh, certainly. Oh, yep. Yep. Yeah. So let's get into it. Let's talk about what you've bet, and more importantly why you're betting stuff now here Memorial Day weekend and you're betting stuff that is not going to grade until Sunday, September 10th. So you're willing to uh, tie your money up for the next three months to get the best of these numbers. And we'll start with the opener Thursday night football NFL week one, man, this is fun to just talk about the Kansas city chiefs, the Detroit lions, seven, 54 right now, Casey in Detroit. I know that week one unders have been a thing in the past. Is that something we still look at? And what do we do with defending Super Bowl champs on the opening Thursday night game? Now, I'm going to apologize because I'm going to pass post a little bit. And I hate it when people do that, saying bets I made that no longer exist. But it, what is illustrative is that when the schedule comes out, Boom, everyone wants to be first to market. And so the, provide, the, the odds providers and the, and the sports books want to put a number up 
low limits. And so I need to be ready. I need to be able to rock and roll because those are going to be numbers that are going to be wrong. And I know what the market uh, I have an approximation of what the power ratings are on each and every team. I haven't done all my homework, but I'm just looking to bet mistakes. But what's curious is I did not find a mistake on this Detroit-Kansas City game, although I will say 54 is a bridge um, too far to put a total week one because I do look towards the play-unders in week one. When there is a total this high, though, it will open itself up to opportunities and prop betting things like punts, number of punts to go under, uh, shortest touchdown to go under one and a half, et cetera. Whenever an NFL total is above 51, there's usually some good juicy props. And, and you know what? Opening night, Thursday night, there'll be a full menu of props that are going to be offered to the public later on the summer. Now, I know that there was a time in which any total, I think it was 49 or higher, you were just blindly betting unders week one in the NFL. Has that time come and gone? Do we still look to bet these highest total games under for week one, or is that something from the past that is not? Oh, uh, I think you nailed money? it. No. You, you, you nailed it. We, we'll, we'll play the high totals under week one and even week two. But in general, by the time we get to week four and you tell me there's a 53 gun to my head, I kind of want to go over more than under most of the time. But you just never know offense is not all that predictable from year to year. You can't be certain, and certainly defense isn't predictable. So just because you've, you've got two teams that would be justified to be a 55 as a total from last year, it doesn't mean it's going to translate, even if they have the same personnel this year. Yeah, the only game I lost week one last year was that Thursday night game where I fell in love with the Rams midsummer and bet them early. Um, as the home underdogs, and the, the Bills pretty much annihilated them, and the Rams weren't any good. So defending Super Bowl champs at home, well, that angle didn't work out so well. Last year, week one, of course, uh, it was the only game I lost the whole weekend, so I can't complain too much. I like week one NFL. That's because you get to spend lots of time thinking about it and talking about it. First game on Sunday, top of the card, the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons, minus three and 43, two teams with basically – no quarterback experience on the roster. What do we do here? It looks like it'll be Ritter against Bryce Young as the two QBs. Do we trust Atlanta enough to lay a field goal with them? Um, I, I trusted them enough to lay two and a half minus 105. I don't trust them at all to lay three. And this is the difference between pros and you know everyone else. There's no way in heck I would lay three. I, I'd lean towards Carolina right now. But I knew two and a half was going to go away. The perception that Atlanta's better than Carolina, and they're a little bit better. Division dogs have been solid week one. You want to look to play division dogs. So I'm holding out. I really want Carolina plus three and a half. If I have to, I'll just slam it on parlay cards. Uh, one piece of advice on all these games, very important. Write every spread down for every game right now, today. Write it all down. And we're going through it. So write it down as we talk about it. Lock it into a drawer. This is the eight of clubs method of winning at sports betting. Open it back up on Sunday morning, an hour before these games start. Any line that has moved the most, fade the line move. So if Atlanta closes 4.5, bet Carolina plus 4.5. It's a bridge too far. These numbers aren't going to be that far off, and there's going to be narratives that are wrong that's going to push these numbers too far. And I love the eight of clubs reference. Uh, Fez and I have a mutual friend who lived for many years in Las Vegas. He was a guy that always tried to stay completely under the radar. Great better but not a guy to ever toot his own horn or, you know, uh, tweet tickets or anything like that. And he used to go by the nickname Eight of Clubs, the most nondescript card in the deck. Um, so the Eight of Clubs method, and 
for what it's worth, I have already done that. I've written down the, uh, not the true openers, but the broader market openers for each and every team side in total, for each and every game side in total. And yeah, that does get pulled out of the drawer come, not even wait till the opening, until the Sunday before kick, uh, kick kickoff. That comes out of the drawer mid-August. Um, let's, and, uh, let me ask you this. With two young, inexperienced QBs, Carolina, Atlanta, would you auto-bet that under, or are we not even thinking about that yet? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good bet. Houston and Baltimore. Harbaugh's got a great track record week one, but not last year they didn't. Uh, in general, Baltimore has been pretty good at laying some numbers. Houston may be the worst team in the league again this year. Nine and a half, 44 and a half slash 45. What do we do with the Ravens and the Texans? So I don't think I'm alone here. As a pro, I bet a zillion things. I go crazy. I don't think I've laid eight and a half, nine or nine and a half on an NFL game in five years because I'm going to tease if that's what the spread is. So I think the spread goes up to 10. I think you play your seven-point teasers. Now you want to play good odds, which means a, a six-point teaser should be minus 120 maximum, a seven-point teaser minus 140. Don't lay more than minus 140 on your teaser, but uh, go ahead and wheel in some Baltimore teasers before this inevitably goes higher. So lock in Baltimore with some teasers with some other stuff we'll talk about shortly. Yeah, and I'm going to talk about the Ravens as well before this show is through. I personally think Baltimore might be worth a look in that ballgame in week one against Houston. Cleveland and Cincinnati, I've been surprised. Of, of you know, I don't get surprised by a lot of win totals. I was surprised by how much market respect the Cleveland Browns have been getting, and yet they're home dogs on opening day to Cincinnati, which speaks to the market respect the Bengals are starting to get. Cincy, minus two and a half, total of 47. What do we do with this divisional matchup on the opening Sunday of the NFL season? Now, this is an opening bet. I don't think it's that good. I played Cincy minus two. I played all these at minus 105, so I won't keep saying that. But uh, I think I got I to get back on some Cleveland. And you know what? Frankly, nothing wrong with teasing the two and a half. Now, I'd love to get a three. I don't know if a three is going to appear. I'll wait for the three. If I'm not going to get a three, as the season gets closer and closer, eventually I'll just take the teaser. And I'd rather play plus three than tease a two and a half. But if I have to, I'll tease Cleveland. Heck, I already love Baltimore, so I need things to tease Baltimore with. So certainly Cleveland's a candidate. So you take the two and a half up to eight and a half. Are the Browns going to be any good this year? I hear mixed opinions about Cleveland out there in the betting world. What's your take on the Browns? Or oh, I have no idea. Time? I'm not going to pretend um, it's me. I, I haven't done all my homework. And Rob Vino, go back and listen to Teddy's show with Rob, who went through and talked about evaluating the draft, evaluating free agency, evaluating the schedule, and then evaluating any coaching changes and quarterback changes. He did an exceptional job. And you know what? After um, like two months of work, have me back on and I'll discuss all. I would love to have you back on if I can. Let's talk Jags and Colts. Jacksonville minus three and a half, total 43 and a half. What are we going to do with this one? So I did lay two and a half with Jacksonville. Again, love getting divisional dogs here. Um, and fours have popped up. If there was one bet that I absolutely had to make right now today, I'd go ahead and play the Colts plus four. I could see this being a close Jaguar win. Really? So I, I look at these two teams as being completely disparate. You know, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are pretty good. And if there's one bet I'd make today, it's Jags to win the AFC South because no one else in that division is even mediocre. But, you know, Indy to me looks like a bottom feeder. And if they start a rookie, it may get worse. 
Does that number change if Richardson wins the job? Um, I don't think it matters. Um, I, I, Colts don't have a quarterback period, whether Richardson's playing, you know, starting or not. Um, I'd much rather lay the minus 160 Jags to win the division than lay three and a half week one. Yes, sir. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Steve Fezzik breaking it down, and we've got a whole bunch of games still to talk about. Bucks, Vikings, Titans, Saints, down to the hype games. Cowboys, Giants, Bills, Jets, so much more with Mr. Fezzik. When we come back after this brief commercial message, please stay tuned. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There's nothing like being informed with all the odds, analysis, and best bets all day long. How do you get that? It's simple. Follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV, and stay on the grid. Again, at SportsGrid, at SportsGrid Radio, at SportsGrid TV on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And you can follow today's guest on Twitter, Steve Fezzik at Fezzik Sports. And Steve, you got a couple of Twitter accounts out there that are impersonating you. Uh, <laughs> Fezzik Sports is the right one to go to, correct? Yes. And if you're buying my picks, the only place I sell my picks is at pregame.com. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So let's get back in to NFL Week One and talk about the Bucks and the Vikings. Nobody likes Tampa Bay coming into the season on paper. They don't look as bad, except at the quarterback position. As uh, I'm, I'm surprised at the anti-Tampa hype. Minnesota, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Total, 45-and-a-half. There is some variance on that total. Do you think the Vikings are going to live up to the 13-win expectation they had last year? Are they primed to come back to earth? And what do we do with this particular Week 1 matchup? Oh, the Vikings are a complete fraud. But the, you know what the problem is, is that the memo has gone out. Everyone knows the Vikings are an eight-and-a-half win team. And that's why their season win number is sitting at eight-and-a-half, little big to the over. So people know that they're just an average or just barely above average team. And we saw that in the betting markets at the end of the year when the Sharps were betting against this team, knowing that they were just winning all these close games. I do want to talk about this game. i got no dog in the fight in this game, but it is very illustrative because the line's six and a half. Now, one of the most, the number one mistakes or one of the top mistakes I see betters making, they like to tease a six to six and a half point favorite. And it is a humongous mistake. And let me explain why. Because when you're teasing with a six point teaser, you're essentially laying on each individual leg minus 280. I won't walk you through all the math on that, but just trust me on that. Each leg is like laying minus 280. If you play the money line, it's the same thing. The Vikings, for them to cover the teaser, they have to win. If you play the money line to win, they have to win. Um, but now you can get it at cheaper if you've got enough outs and you're shopping around. You'll get the Vikings minus 260, minus 265. You certainly won't have to pay minus 280. So write this down. Never tease a six-and-a-half or a six-point favorite, and certainly not a five- or a five-and-a-half-point favorite. If you like that team to win, just play them on the money line. But this is one that drives me nuts, all right, because I see pros do this, and I don't understand it. They're like, all right, I'm not going to tease it at six and a half. I'm going to wait till it goes to seven. At seven, I'll tease it. Why not bet on the money line at six and a half? I don't understand that. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly right. So if you well, if you have a crystal ball and you didn't know it was going to go up to seven or seven and a half, we can have a conversation. But if you already like it and you're like, it's probably going to go up to seven, and then I'll tease it exactly. Don't wait. Just just play the Vikings now minus two sixty five. In fact, that's available at at least one book. Uh, I think that's a good bet. Put put the Vikings minus two sixty five in your pocket. I'd be very surprised if this line didn't leak up to seven by the time the season started. The New Orleans Saints and the Tennessee Titans. New Orleans, three and a half, total 42. How do we bet this one for week one NFL? You bet it when the schedule comes out and you lay one and a half with the Saints. Uh, or you just sit back and, you know, have some, um, some strawberry margaritas and wait for the season right before they, it, it, it's going to kick off and then play back the Titans plus for another game here where I'll be looking to play the dog right before the season starts. Um, you know, the Saints, they're lined at nine and a half wins, but that's because they got a cupcakery of a schedule against really bad teams. The Saints are a below average team and the Titans are well below average. Am a little worried about the big home field advantage in the dome for the Saints. I'll bet something on the Titans, though, at post. And the NFC South, really the only division that you're going to see where the win totals are head scratchers. And the reason some of the win totals are head scratchers is because of that easy schedule that you mentioned. New Orleans, you're like nine and a half win. Atlanta opened eight and a half at a lot of places. Um, you know, this, so is a gra- this is a great point. Because, and you have helped pioneer this, that we, we evaluate strength of schedule based upon not how many games your opponent won last year. If you're playing the Vikings, who cares? They won 13 games. The Vikings are an average team. We evaluate based upon your opponent's season win numbers, except if you are in the NFC South and you're playing all these other teams that have inflated season win records or totals right now because they're playing each other and they all stink. Atlanta may have an eight and a half or an eight for a season win, but Atlanta, I assure you, is not an average football team. They're all overrated because of that. We got to do a couple of quick hitters because we're running short on time already, Steve. Let's talk 49ers and the Steelers. San Fran minus three, 41 and a half the total. We don't worry so much about the West Coast teams traveling east for week one games like we would midseason. Where do you see this line moving? You know, I, I think it stays three. I would take three and a half or lay two and a half. I will say with these week one numbers, look at San Francisco's last preseason game. I used to look at this, and if it was a night game, I'd look to fade them when they went east. But you nailed it. Now that there's a bye week before they start out, all these West Coast teams are A-OK with the early start time. It's a non-factor. The, uh, the Arizona Cardinals have been devalued significantly since the start of the postseason. They're cutting DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler Murray's not going to be ready. It looks like a complete rebuild job. And the markets have made a big move towards the commanders. Washington minus six, total of 40. I know you've got some good Washington tickets in your pocket. I bet the Commodores minus two and a half. I bet the Commodes minus three. I, I bet a whole lot on Washington, and now it's just gotten silly. Sam Howell is supposed to be laying six to six and a half. No hurry. No one likes the Cardinals. We'll go ahead and look to the Cardinals again right before the season kicks off. The Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. The Bears minus two and a half, total 44 and a half. I like Green Bay. All right. I think Green Bay may be every bit as good this year as they were last year. It's not like Jordan Love doesn't have any chance to fill Aaron Rodgers' shoes. Aaron Rodgers had a chance to fill Brett Favre's shoes. He pulled him pretty well from his first season. What's your take on Green Bay? And should they be dogs at Soldier Field, a stadium where they've pretty well dominated over the years? 
I'm not so sure they should. I laid one with Chicago. I took three with Green Bay, and I. So we got a uh, no. Sorry, Steve. You you we had a little dead air with you there. Can you can you repeat what you just said? I like the home field, hidden home field edge for Green Bay and Chicago. Half the crowd seems to be for the Packers. I could only look Packers. Good teaser on the Packers for this game. Sure. Plus two and a half up to plus eight and a half going through all those key numbers. Three, four, six, and seven. Let's talk Broncos and Raiders. I know you bet a fair bet on this one as well. Denver currently minus three and a half, 44 and a half. Denver pick minus one, minus two, minus 150. I stopped at minus 160. Broncos weeks one and two at home. All they do is win. You've got that altitude advantage against an opponent that is not in football shape. But you know what? That narrative is out there to the point where this line has already run its course. Uh, could only look Raiders at post now. It's too late to bet the Broncos. Can't lay three and a half. Are you a Broncos believer? Do you think Russell Wilson is going to turn it around this year under Sean Payton, that he couldn't do it under Nathaniel Hackett, or is the jury still out on that team for you? I am a Broncos believer. I don't like Russell Wilson. I do think Sean Payton makes all the difference in the world. Russell Wilson will be like the 12th best quarterback. That'll be enough for them to win 10 games. Chargers and the Dolphins, L.A., minus 2.5 total. Let's call it 50. What do we do with this one? You know, if anything, I'd look under. I think they're going to try, the Dolphins are going to try to protect Tua and run the ball a little bit more this year. And we talked about 50, that magic number. We like unders on 50s week one. I'd look under. Yeah, I like the look of that Charger. I like the look of both of these teams, to be perfectly honest. I would not be surprised in the slightest if Miami LA ends up being a playoff preview, a game we're going to talk about in January. Eagles and the Patriots, the defending NFC champs, minus five on the road, total of 46. What do we do with Belichick's team coming into the new campaign? So New England is the opposite of the NFC South. New England is the average team that got screwed by a, a really difficult schedule. So their seven-half season win number is low because of the strength of schedule. They're really about an average team. And you know what? An average team, Super Bowl hangover for the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles find a way to win by a field goal. I'll be betting the Patriots. No hurry again. We bet it right before the season starts. Yeah, this is not one that you want to get down in May. Fez already given you a lot of the bets that he did get down in May. Now we get into some of the hype games, the Rams and the Seahawks. Seattle minus, there's some variance here, minus five and a half, minus six. If you shop around, you can find a minus five. Total 46 to 47, depending on where you go. Are you surprised by this much variance? Or it doesn't really, we're not talking about key numbers here. It doesn't matter all that much. Well, I laid three on Seattle. And, and I got to tell you, what's illustrated is my numbers sound like the great, greatest portfolio ever. And I have had great week one portfolios with favorites year after year. And you know what? They win barely. They don't crush. <laughs> well, they should crush compared, considering the closing line value, but all these teams get overinflated. I think the line's about right right now. It's going to keep going higher. People love Seattle. They hate the Rams. And once again, right before the season starts, I'm going to be a busy man come Sunday, September 10th, betting on the dogs at inflated numbers. Sunday night football, the Cowboys and the Giants. Dallas minus three on the road, total 47. Betting markets didn't like the Giants last year. It doesn't look like they like them that much this year. Yeah, already strong movement on Cowboys over. Over nine and a half wins. Giants under. I saw seven and a half on the Giants. Given that, you know, the three, they're going to lay the three. The, the pros are going to look to lay three on the Cowboys, and the public absolutely is going to lay three. So let's sit back. We'll play some Giants. Plus three and a half right before the Sunday night game in what should be a eh, three-point Cowboy win. 
The Bills and the Jets Monday night football. And this is one that the pros loved when it opened. Why? Because you could take three and you could lay pick them. <laughs> and when you have that type of variance at the opener, I know you got at least one of those in your pocket. Fez, what are you doing with Bills, Jets, Monday night football? Right now, minus one, minus one and a half for Buffalo. Total 47 slash 47 and a half. I did give my clients Jets plus three. I did bet that, and I also bet Bills pick. But you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys do the same. Lay the one with Buffalo right now. My sources tell me money will come in on the Bills minus one. And then worst case scenario, I don't think it's going to go back to three. But when it goes back to two, we got all these other teasers we like. Well, then we'll go ahead and tease some Jets and, and go ahead and middle the Monday night game. Root for the Bills to win by one to eight points when this game kicks off. Steve, this has been a blast. And, boy, you've given out a ton of good info on today's show for my audience. I appreciate it so much. Promote yourself, my friend. Where can people find you? Yeah, find me on Twitter at Fezzik Sports. Um, I'm the angry old guy. Get off my lawn. And uh, that's the best way to find me. I give out some free plays there. Um, hopefully I'll stay away from the, uh, the Purdue money lines of the world going forward. Yeah, fair enough. And how about one play that stands out to you at a current number that you can get involved with from one of the week one games that we've talked about? I'm going to throw you a curveball, and I'm probably going to get in trouble. I refuse to take a current number because I think we're going to get a better number, and it's all about getting the best of it. I'm going to take the god-awful Arizona Cardinals. Teddy, you grade me at whatever number it is. 30 minutes before the kickoff on Sunday, September 10th, and whatever it is against Sam Howell or whoever it is for Washington, it is going to be overly inflated, and I will take my chances with the cards. So you don't want to get Arizona today. There's no rush. The anti-Cardinals hype is coming. <laughs> it's already there in the markets. Fed says, wait until just before post and take a look at Arizona. Uh, sorry, take a look at fading Washington and betting on Arizona. Steve Fezzik. Great stuff, my friend. Best of luck. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. We'll talk to you again in the not-too-distant future. I got a bettable opinion for week one in the NFL. Stay tuned. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. If you missed any portion of today's program, if you want to go back and listen to yesterday's show, we talked MLB and NFL with Andy Isco, or last week's shows. You heard uh, Steve Fezzik reference a show I did with Rob Vino, I think it was two weeks ago. Anything, any show I've ever done for the Sports Grid Radio Network, available in podcast form. Download the podcast version of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Wherever you download your podcast, just search for Cover It. You can download, you can zoom at your convenience, and best of all, every time each weekend we get two new shows, I get that ding. Those shows will be available for you even before they go on air. So I encourage you to check out the podcast version of Cover It with Teddy Covers. I teased it in the open. Or no, it wasn't the open. I teased it when we were talking with Fez. The Baltimore Ravens minus nine and a half week one against the Houston Texans. And this is one that I'm going to lock in early. All right. I do not see the markets moving towards Houston between now and opening day. The Texans were 
if not the worst team in the NFL, one of the worst teams in the NFL last year. This year, they're going to be starting a rookie quarterback. It's complete rebuild mode on both sides of the football. The Texans are going to stink coming into the campaign. And then we look at what Baltimore has done in week one in the Harbaugh era. Just take a look at like the last six years. Let's see, they beat Cincinnati 20 to nothing in 2017. They beat Buffalo 47 to three. This is week one only, 2018. They beat Miami 59 to 10 in 2019. 2020, Cleveland 38 to six. Are you seeing a trend here of Baltimore blowouts in week one? They lost. The Raiders opening day Monday night football in 2021. I remember the game. They had a two-touchdown lead. They blew it. They were on the wrong side. I'll tell you that. Last year, again, 24-9 against the Jets in week one. Harbaugh has them ready. Coming out of camp. Baltimore is the highest point spread in week one for a reason. Lay it or don't play it. Give me the Ravens minus the spot against the Texans. And that's going to wrap it for Cover It with Teddy Covers this week. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to hang out with me and my guests. We'll do it again next week right here on the Sports Grid Radio Network.